What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian, and my brand new book, Gut Feelings, is for pre-order right now. If you wanna learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, and becoming a patient, there's lots of information about the books, the podcast, lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners of The Art of Being Well, we're giving away free signed books every month, no matter when you listen to this episode. All you have to do for a chance to win is head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show. And every month, we'll be randomly picking winners. You can do it two different ways. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself, or you can take a screenshot of your Apple Podcast review and message it with me over on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And every month we'll be going through the messages on Instagram as well as the Apple Podcast reviews themselves. I will reach out to you. I'll ask which book you want me to sign. We'll send it out to you. You can ask for Ketotarian, The Inflammation Spectrum, Intuitive Fasting, Gut Feelings when it's out, all the books. So yeah, good luck. All right, let's get to today's guest. She's one of my favorite people. Her name is Jennifer Cohen. She's the author of multiple books in the fitness and wellness space with a world-class clientele that has included Hollywood celebrities, Olympic athletes, blockbuster recording artists, and so many others. A trend-spotting entrepreneur who has sold companies for millions and millions of dollars, an experienced media personality with appearances on major network shows, She's the host of a top-rated podcast with millions and millions of downloads and counting, and she's also an in-demand motivational speaker for a range of companies as well as business schools. She's also a TEDx speaker that has millions and millions of views on YouTube and the TED website, which we're going to actually get into the behind the scenes of that infamous TEDx talk. Let's get right to it. This is Jennifer Cohen's Art of Being Well. 
Jennifer Cohen. The tables have turned, my friend. <laughs> Come on, Miss Podcaster. Now it's your time to be the guest. Welcome. Thank you. I love it. I'm glad I'm, on, I'm a guest of, on your podcast, which I'm a huge fan of. I just told you that offline. So thank you for having me. Of course. And you're such a great, you know, I'm, I'm on a lot of podcasts for work, talking about health, talking about what I do in functional medicine. And there are, there are so many podcasts out there that probably speak to different people, right? Different messengers to provide quality content for people and education and empowerment. But not everybody, in my opinion, is, is necessarily great at interviewing, holding space and holding the conversation. I remember our conversation very clearly of you being just a stellar interviewer. So kudos to you. Oh my gosh, that is such a compliment. Thank you, Will. That's so nice to hear. I I, I try. I, I I think it's, you know, I find that there are a lot of people who feel like they should just have a podcast because it's like the trendy thing to do. And then they don't put the work and energy behind it. And they just think when they have a guest come on, they can just like ad lib everything. And to me, I feel when someone gives me their time like that, it's the onus is on me to make it worth their while. So I try to really prepare and do research and really like know something be, like behind what, mm -hmm. you know, what just not just like, so you, you're, tell me about yourself. You know what I mean? So yeah. I appreciate that because it's, that's important. Thank you. You're welcome. I, I mean it. So thank you. You, your book, brand new book, which I read the digital version of it, right? But then just today, it's so serendipitous, it came physically in the mail today. The publisher sent it to me. So it's a oh, beautiful, yes, it I was like, it. I read the digital and then I got the physical. So it's a beautiful book in, in person. But look, I know how it is, right? Coming out with a book, I know that it can be People don't know what it takes behind the scenes to launch a book. So can we give people a little bit of <laughs> pull back yes. the curtains? Like, how has it been? How oh. has book launch been for you? Oh, my gosh. You know, if I can speak candidly on this let's podcast. Do it. Oh, mm, let's do candidly. I think it's I think people, to your point, don't really understand the type of minutiae and work and hours and energy put behind it. Because, you know, a lot of people think that like you just write a book and you just kind of put it out in the in the universe and just kind of hope for the best. And the reality is, no, that's not true. It's been a grind. It's super, super. I think it's there's a lot of anxiety behind it because you want you need people to know about it. And if something is out too long in the world of publishing without any traction, it becomes a forgotten dinosaur, right? So you only have like a, a very finite amount of time to make people know your book or you're basically like screwed. So the pressure is so intense and it's exhausting, you know, like it's exhausting. If you have other businesses like you do and I do, and then you add on the book launch process, it is to me, it is like, it's the most, I, I have agita. I should come see you actually as a functional medicine doctor, because I need my stomach. My gut is in such like need of Will Cole because of this process. I'm just being honest. I could, I, I know, I hear you. It is, it is tough. There's no need so many hours in the day. And it's like, okay, this is a whole separate, more than a full-time job. Oh my uh, God. It's beyond. And you have to like call and ask favors of literally everybody you've known since you were like three and a half years old. <laughs> like it's, it's spent, it's like my time is literally spent DMing people, texting people. Like if you didn't know any better, like I'm like this on my phone for like 12 hours at a time 
Because at the end of the day, and you know this like I do, no one's going to care as much as you do at the end of the day. And like when you have relationships, it's you that have to like make the, the connection, you know, like mm-hmm. no, no team or PR person is going to be as effective as essentially you, right? Like mm-hmm. nobody I'm friends with is going to want to hear from someone who works for me being like, hey, you know, Jennifer, mm-hmm. it just doesn't work that way in real life. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And it's like you think when you see a, like a massive publisher or yeah, you said PR team, but they're, all those people are fantastic. But you're right. The gasoline, the engine is so many times in many ways the author. So I, I, I'm sending healing, <laughs> rejuvenative, <laughs> renewing energy right now for you. So I, I know as an author, too, each book is a like kind of like a baby, right? It's like this this art project that you're curating and crafting over time. What was let's go back to the genesis of the book. What was the impetus? What was the original like seed, the inception of like knowing, okay, this is the book that I need to put out there right now? Well, number one, I think it's because it's the core essence of who I really am. I mean, I think a lot of people see me or have known me more in the fitness space, right? Because my past books have been fitness and diet related. My first book was called No Gym Required, which was basically working out without using a gym, giving people like alternatives to the gym. And that was really my first business. And I had a shoe line around it and everything else like that. And then I wrote another book called Strong is the New Skinny to give people, you know, giving people permission saying, you know, not everyone could be skinny, but everybody could be strong. So giving people something, a goal that's accessible. Mm -hmm. And so all of that is the culmination of the fact now I'm transitioning into a book that's really, it's not a fitness book. It's not a a diet book. It's really a book that is at the essence of how I even was able to write books, how Mm -hmm. I was even able to build businesses, how I was even able to start a podcast. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, the fitness for me was really the the crux and the core of how I was able to get the confidence, the self-esteem, the mental toughness, strength, whatever you want to call it, to kind of pursue. And that was from also the bo- being bold. And so how this whole genesis to your point happened was I got asked a couple years ago to do a TED talk, which is a kind of reverse situation. A lot of times people apply to do a TED talk and all that. And someone on the TED team kind of knew who I was. They asked me if I was interested. They asked me to do a TED talk actually on health in something in the health and wellness fitness space. And I turned it around. I thought, you know, this is my moment to really kind of be authentic and real and say, you know what? I really want to talk about something that's actually more important than fitness for a second, because I think before that, you have to develop something, a skill called boldness. And I'd like to talk about that. So I did a TED Talk on being bold that did exceptionally well. And because of that, the success of that, it showed me, it showed the fact that there are so many people who are struggling with the self-esteem and the confidence to really go after what they want, to actually Mm -hmm. pursue and basically choose themselves, chasing what they actually want versus just to acquiesce to what's in front of them. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to take this and I want to create, I'm going to actually write a book and expand on that message because it's so true, not just for me, but I feel if people could understand that being bold um, is a skill that anybody could acquire 
-hmm. And it's not something you have to be born with. It's a game changer for a lot of people to really live the life that they want versus just taking what they get. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. So the book we're talking about is Bigger, Better, Bolder. The subtitle, I love this, Live the Life You Want, Not the Life You Get, which we're going to talk all about today. And I have to say, like it, it was an act of boldness on your part to go outside of your comfort zone, I'm assuming, when you were told to talk about something about health and wellness with the TED Talk. What was that whole like? I've never done a TED Talk, but I it looks daunting to me. It's daunting. What is the behind the scenes of doing a TED Talk? Okay, well, let me just tell you something. But it's interesting that you say this because it's probably one of the scariest things I've ever prepared for. You know that whole saying about you'd rather death is actually not as scary as public speaking. <laughs> well, <laughs> that to me is actually a hundred percent true. And then to top it off, doing a TED talk, you have a certain amount of time allotted. You really, you really can't go over. I think it's now eighteen minutes, or you know, give or take, right? And you can't bring notes up. You have to memorize things. You you can have some slides. But it's done in a way that is very, there's a, there's a method behind the madness and there's a procedure, right, in, in it. And it was really nerve wracking. I was super scared. And in fact, I was so nervous and so scared that when I get really, really nervous and anxious, I, my mouth becomes so dry. It was like, it was like cotton balls in my mouth. And so when I went up there initially, I couldn't even <laughs> say the words I had, they had to like stop the Ted talk <laughs> and like restart it. Cause I was like, I'm like, I literally in the Ted talk, I'm like, can someone get me some water? Because I was literally almost going to have a panic attack <laughs> oh within God. it. Okay. Cause I could not like get any like saliva in my mouth. And then, um, then, so they, they had to start it again. That was the first part. And then the second part is I was such a hot mess that like I had notes right like down my arm, like on my on my palm, <laughs> on my arm. So if I forgot something that I could actually look at it, I was I was like a, ner like a nervous wreck. And when I got off stage, I remember saying to my husband, I'm like, oh, my God, that was so like I was such an amateur oh my God, like no one's going to want to watch this. I'm going to be like laughed at. It'll be like four views, right? And I think actually it was kind of like interesting. So I think part of the charm in real life is that when you see somebody who's like real, that you can like, you kind of can relate to, right? Like I was not a professional speaker in that way. It was something that was genuinely very nerve wracking for me. I think People can resonate with that. So when they saw the, the notes on my arm, they're kind of like, yeah, that would be me too. <laughs> I think it was just one of those experiences that I, that's the reason why I did it. It was also because it was something so out of my comfort zone. And it, it's my whole belief. It's part of my whole belief system that in order to get over fear, you have to kind of go through it. And so I put myself sometimes in uncomfortable situations like that, actually a lot of times I do, to kind of get over the fear, to kind of move past the fear, or to at least get like a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I'm never gonna be, I'm never gonna be Tony Robbins, let's say, but at least you can you can at least get better at something. You don't have to be perfect, but there mm -hmm. could be progress in it. And that's kind of why I did it. But I will tell you, it was like so nerve-wracking, Will. And yeah, that was what happened. Dang. And you did it. Did you do it in LA? Where did the TED Talk happen? No, it was in Atlanta. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was, I was, my hands were sweating just to you telling the story. It's <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Uh, but exactly. Gosh. But look, it was, how about that for serendipitous of you talking about being bold and you had to do it yourself. You were actually practicing what you were speaking about. So many people ask me on social media, hey, I'm, I'm not a functional medicine patient of yours. Are there any direct-to-consumer labs you recommend? And actually, this one specifically, I love it for initial consults too when they have this data already for their initial telehealth consult. But even if you aren't a patient of mine, even if you don't have a functional medicine doctor, I am a fan of democratization of health information for you to learn about your health and to take action steps on your health based on data. So to live your healthiest, longest life possible, you need to actually understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker, it takes personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. You can look at your own bioindividuality with Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker was created by experts in genetics, aging, biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations plus an action plan based on your lab data on how to live healthier for longer. Inside Tracker also calculates your biological age, the rate at which you're aging. Can, you can actually see how you're aging from the inside out, compare it to your chronological age, and they're gonna give you action steps based on your data on ways to lower your biological age. You can actually see your age reverse based on their recommendations. They're going to tell you what foods to focus on based on your labs, the right supplements for your body based on your labs, and what workouts you should be focusing on. As a functional medicine doctor, I freaking love this. It's bioindividuality at its best. And now for a limited time, you can save on Inside Tracker. You can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store right now when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a personalized plan to build strength, speed recovery, increase your energy levels, improve your sleep, and optimize your health for the long haul, then grab your discount at insidetracker.com forward slash art of being well. That's insidetracker.com forward slash art of being well. Hi, I'm Iskra. And I'm Philip. And, and this, this is Couplish, where every Friday we show up to check in as a couple navigate uncomfortable conversations around race, relationships, parenting, and answer your burning questions. And we'll also share our pretty funny and very real dating stories with each other. Add some extra special guests. Let's hope they know what they're in for. With a few fun couple challenges and some tips and tricks that keep us so loved up on each other, our friends call us corny. Yeah, we're going to make crushing as a couple cool again and checking in as a couple a weekly thing. So see you every Friday. You won't want to miss it. After that, I'm assuming it's a successful viral TED Talk, and then the idea of the book came out of it, right? I imagine, maybe not, but was it difficult for, because you mentioned the past books were about health and wellness, I know it could be difficult for the publishing literary book world to kind of get the fact, because they like to pigeonhole authors and say, well, that's your thing. Was, you it, hard? Are, yes. was it a hard, was it a hard sell? It still is, by the way. It was a really hard sell. I think that that is, you are 1 million percent. You're saying all the right things because, you know, I get you, Will. You get me. You <laughs> I know, know what I mean? You see me. You see me. First of all, it's still very difficult. I think what happens in life 
people pigeonhole you, pigeonhole you, and they compartmentalize you into one box, right? Just because someone is a, you know, I'm a, I'm a quote unquote health and wellness person. I'm a fitness person. So therefore you can't be, you know, something you can't, you can't be a fashion designer and a welder at the same time. God forbid you can have two things that you can be passionate about and good at, right? Mm -hmm. I have a hard time with that. So this right now, like in the transition, right? Because even, even with all of this, the publisher couldn't wrap their head around lots of publishers, except the one I'm with, but they couldn't wrap their head around how is this person who does squats and lunges able to write a book about being bold and about mindset and about psychology what the what the missing gap is you know they're seeing they're reading the first paragraph and they're not reading the entire book right and, and i'm saying that that's more of a that's not literally but what i'm mm-hmm. saying is if people knew my background they would get it much more, right? Like my background, it, funnily enough, I have a psychology degree that most people don't know. And I also have a business, an MBA, a business degree. And in my world, what I really was, if people who know, know, I started a lot of health and wellness businesses and then I sold the businesses. So it's very much, I'm much more of an entrepreneur within the wellness and, and fitness space than um, anything else in that space. But people who don't know, they're like, oh, she can do a squat. So like, let, let her just do a squat and a lunge and that's all she's good at, right? Like right. people cannot expand their minds, which is kind of part of another reason why I wanted to write this book is because you are your own, you have to take agency for your own life and you are you have to be the CEO of your own journey mm-hmm. and not let other people's myopic view of you decide what and who you're going to be in life. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the path I've always lived. And then what I still live. And the reality is like, sometimes it works for me and sometimes it doesn't, but the more you do it, you're stacking it up on the work side versus not working side. Mm -hmm. But it's a hundred percent true. People constantly pigeonhole me. It still happens. And I also feel like, for example, you, right? Like you have, you are a functional medicine doctor. So why should you be an author or why should you have any other businesses or why should it's that you could be all of those things and you could be good at all those things. If you also have the right people you work with, like not everybody is going to be great at everything, but if you have a passion and you are super, super, you know, good in this one area and you really want to kind of see it through, you can find other people to complement what your weaknesses are exactly. And I, funnily enough, I talk about this in my book is that what I've done a lot of times is I've built like a bold directors around me. So mm-hmm. I, I can do section. this, right? Yeah. And you can do things that you, and what that is, is you can have, you could be good in certain things and lean in really hard on those things to get those things done. And then have partners and people around you who can supplement the other areas of weaknesses. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, yeah, it's so good. You're absolutely right. And and what I think that sometimes publishers don't understand, especially when you're authentic and you really are just like you said earlier, if you really knew my work, you would realize this has always been quote unquote on brand or really what it is, me having these conversations with whoever because this is just a part of my ethos, part of my DNA. And the concepts in this book, what you There's whole sections within the book to show that these principles, how it influences your health and wellness, how it influences your exercise, right? So this applies to your wellness and life itself. 100%. Like, like I, like I was saying earlier to me, 
health and wellness is the core core habits of how you become successful personally and professionally in every other way. This isn't a book about how this is not a get, you know, be bold to get rich quick scheme. I mean, to me, like if that's the kind of book you're looking for, then you should put this one down and move on to something else. This is a more about how to really develop a rich life. And that doesn't mean luxuries. That means a life that's rich in experience and true success, whatever that means to you, right? That could mean, that should mean meaningful relationships, experiences, health. Health to me is like, if you don't have that, you have nothing. So you have to build habits and create habits to really optimize yourself to be successful in all areas of life, not just one area of life. And I use myself as an example. If I did not take fitness and health seriously, I would never have been able to conquer and do so many of the other things that I've, I've done because it is a core, it's like a, a major pillar in people's success. And there's a lot of research backing that. You know, I did something recently where I was talking about there's science behind the fact that it's no coincidence that some of the most successful people in the world are people who take their fitness and health so serious. They have a regimen and a routine that they do daily mm -hmm. to optimize their productivity, to be on point, to get stuff done. And you know this more than anything, anybody that you know, people think sometimes that, oh, if I work out, I, I don't have the energy, I'm too tired. You know, energy begets energy. When I don't work out, I'm much more lethargic, mm -hmm. right? I'm much more kind of lazy to get go on with my with my goals. When I work out, it gives me a gives me energy. It gives me mental clarity. My mood is much high, but my mood is elevated. I'm much more. I'm just much more able to go in the world and be successful. Mm -hmm. Well said. In the book, you really teach us these principles, as you said, to live a rich life or li to live an abundant life. So, and talk about how it impacts, you know, your business or your relationships or your health and wellness. I'd love to highlight some of these principles. One of them is, it's principle number two, discover your bold type. Can you talk about that? And you mentioned within that section, these big five, I think. I'd love to let people hear about this. Yes, I, you know, it's interesting. You could be very bold in one area of your life and then not be so bold in another life, right? In another area of your life, which is kind of part of what I talk about is that we're not all going to be the same and strong in, in certain areas, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a test that you can take that it can tell you what exactly your bold type is. Now, like you could be socially bold, right? So I mean, did you take the test? I haven't yet, but I want to, because you actually give the URL in the book, right? The free test. Oh yeah, what? yes, exactly. So my whole thing is this, right? You could have, I'm looking at this right now as we talk, you can have social boldness. I think I have social boldness, but some people are like, nah, you know, that's not really me. What I think the best thing to do is for people is to take a test to see where they are and it can help them, guide them in where and where they should go and how they can enhance what they're trying to enhance. So to me, that is where, where I like people to begin. You should take the test, Will. I, I want to take the test. <laughs> and these big five personality traits for people and you, you openness to experience, 
And that you talk about curious versus cautious. Oh, extroversion. I yes. talk about conscientiousness, talk, agreeableness, agreeableness. Yeah. And there's one more I talk uh, about. It's ne- also the neur- neuroticism. Neuroticism is yeah. also in there. So I find that, you know, people assume that you have to be super extroverted to kind of go after what you want, right? What I'd like to tell people is that a lot of this is based on a sheer practice. To me, like I said, boldness is a skill that could be learned and honed and not not necessarily, not something that you can become like a master at, but you can definitely elevate and get better. I actually created something called the 10% target, which is how you can actually do this. The problem I find is that a lot of times people, they don't give themselves they're, they have the self-doubt, they're nervous of failure, and they don't practice resilience. So if you can get good at failing, to me, that will allow you to get better at actually attempting. So a whole attempt is, you know, you make 10 attempts at whatever you want most, and you may not get that particular goal, but another opportunity will present itself that you never even knew existed by just going through the process. So that's something that I talk about. Like, so to me, again, what it's all about is getting comfortable with the failing because the stop is in the start. Most people in life, and this has been, there's been like backed up research in the book, don't even make, I think it was 75% of people don't even make one attempt. Mm-hmm. Almost not 100, 90% of people don't make two attempts at whatever they want. They give up before they even do it. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, Someone has to win at some at whatever that is. It could it, why not be you, right? It's a change in the mindset of practice. The more resilient you get, like you kind of can brush your. It doesn't affect you as hard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you use the example. I've heard you use the example of when you're talking about failing and how failing can really lead to your greatest like success and strengths. Use the example of Jennifer Hudson not winning. American Idol is a great example there. Yeah, it's 100% true. Like most of the people you know that have seen and and had the most success are the people who actually like failed at some, would have been called or thought of to be like the biggest failure, right? But it's those people, like that whole story is amazing to me. So she went on, of course, to win an Academy Award for her character Effie in, in the movie that she did. But she was seventh in American Idol. Then you see people who, let's say, win American Idol or win any of those. What's that other show on NBC, the big one on on NBC? The The Voice. Voice. I've never seen any of those winners. I don't know. I can't name one of them. Can you? No, I don't think they actually win the show and that's it. (laughs) They don't ever make commercial success. They don't ever make commercials. So to me, just because you're losing at one thing, losing is just another cog in the wheel to keep on going. It's the people that kind of keep on going and don't see losing as a detriment. To me, you know, I always tell people rejection is always better than regret, right? You just have to keep on trying. There's a lot of people in the book I talk about like that, who've had these major losses, who've gone on to be like just the biggest winners. Mm -hmm. You know, that one is everyone knows who she is and it's very well known. And by the way, you know, I'm sure with you too, as for me too, some of my biggest heartbreaks in businesses or in personal life has led me 
to my biggest wins. It's what I call like connecting the dots. These are all just dots in your life that mm. connect together because we don't know in chapter six what our life's going to turn out to be in chapter 10, right? Mm. Or at the end of the book. These are all just dots that connect together. And you got to just keep on putting yourself in the game mm-hmm. to win. 100%. In the chapter, in the principle, one of the principles, was, it's called You Gotta Believe. And you talk about the George Costanza effect. Can you talk about that? Like, <laughs> so, what's, yes. what's the George Costanza effect? <gasps> the George Costanza effect. Hey, have you ever watched Seinfeld? I have. I know the characters. I know the characters, but I, I'm not, I wasn't an avid viewer. Okay. The George Costanza effect is there's an episode in Seinfeld, right? Where George Costanza, God, George Costanza, I still laugh about it because I think it's so true. Okay. George is basically the character George for people who don't, don't know who he is, is kind of like a life loser, right? He's, he doesn't really take care of himself health wise. So he's overweight. He's bald. He's short, right? It's a character. This is not shaming anybody. This is who he is in the show. He lives at home with his parents. And his life is just going really terrible. Like his life just never seems to like go well for him. So one day he decides, you know what? To says to Jerry, I'm going to do everything the opposite of what I normally do and see if my life turns around. So that's what he did. He actually went around in the episode and he, whatever he would normally say to somebody, he'd said the opposite. Whatever he would normally do, he did the opposite. And then everything in his life started to like, he went into like the Steinbrenner's Yankee office of the, you know, the Yankee baseball team to get a job. And he yelled at the guy or did something like that was completely out of character for him. And then he got the job with the Yankees. He went somewhere and, and then he met the girl. The point of the George Costanza effect is that sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and do things that make you uncomfortable and the opposite of how you would normally act to actually get a result. That's mm-hmm. the point. I think so many times people get stuck in their ways. They get into a rut and they do everything the same way over and over and over again. And then they're expecting a different outcome, right? So if you're one of those people who are doing the same thing day in, day out, and yet nothing is changing, mm-hmm. that is an indication that maybe you should try to do something Mm-hmm. completely opposite and different than how you've approached it. And you can take baby steps into this, right? But I use that as a, I use the George Costanza effect as an example of how people, how human nature is. By the way, this is all backed up science and research that how people's human nature is, right? This is where we are all programmed to stay within our comfort zone. That's our baseline is where we're the most comfortable, even if it's painful, even if it's not getting us the results. But you have to kind of take agency and ownership and have some self-awareness to be like, you know what, if I really have something I really want to go after and I want to I want to pursue it and I need to do something different, I need to be bold and go after it. This is what I'm going to have to do and do that. At the end of the day, no one's saving you. You have to be your, like I said, you have to be your CEO. You have to save yourself. You have to go after what you want instead Mm -hmm. of just being okay with good Mm -hmm. enough. If you really want to live the life that you envision for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I I, 100%. These are universal laws that you're really teaching people. I mean, because so many people are stuck in that certain frequency that they're at and then 
like the subtitle of the book says, live the life you want, not the life you get. So some people are living in very situations they didn't even ask for, but what are you going to do to start shifting that frequency, that resonance in your life to start to draw something else to you? So I'm assuming, was this out of all the books that you've written, is this one of the hardest books? Like what was the actual, was it difficult to put this pen to paper? Yes, absolutely. It was really difficult because the concept is a big concept, right? About being bold. So what does that mean, right? You have to break it down for people to understand, right? Like it's kind of one of those things where, well, it's easy. People would automatically feel like, well, it's easy for you to say because you are bold or it's easy for this one to say because because you have this. But the reality is like, Everything, it, in my opinion, anything is learnable if you have the desire to learn it. Like I start off and then even in my TED talk, I talk about you have to create, you know, if you have a goal of having, if you want to be healthy, right? Mm -hmm. And you want to lose weight, you have to put in the effort. It's people are always looking for a magic bullet. And the reality is there is no magic bullet. Mm -hmm. I know it's not sexy to say, I know it's not like, it's not trendy to be like, well, actually you have to eat properly. You have to exercise. You have to do this and that. It's just like not that it doesn't move units off of a shelf because people sometimes don't want to hear the, mm -hmm. the hard facts of that. It's easier to sell something that is a trend or a hashtag because it's a quick fix. Yeah. None of these things are like in life, nothing is that's really worth having is quick fixes, right? Mm -hmm. Everything takes energy, time, commitment, and discipline. Yeah. But Intention. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, I, as I was reading the book, it really was, you're teaching people these universal principles and you use the word desire and how desire really draws things to you. Like if your why, if your desire, if you know, if your intention is bigger than your excuses, you really will shift the frequency in your life and really get things that you're looking for. Um, yeah. In the book you talk about, and this may be controversial to some people, but I want to I wanna be controversial here, is how could, could it be that Gen Xers were the boldest generation. And you also talk about being anti-fragile or anti-fragile in the book. Yes. Too. So I want to, I want to talk about this. Let's go there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I'm going to get hate mail. No, but this is fine. I, I, I listen at the end of the day, Will, to me, it's important to be honest and authentic. And the truth is you're not going to please everybody all the time. Right. But I rather live in a place of truth than otherwise. And I do talk about that a lot. I think that we're living in a culture right now where everybody wins a participation trophy, right? Where people are fragile. I mean, we've lived with, and because of that, like, I think where in my generation, it wasn't like that, right? We kind of had to f fend for ourselves a lot in, in a lot of ways. Now we have a lot of, it's much more people are much more helicopter parenting. There's a much more of a, an environment of coddle culture where, like I said, everyone's winning a trophy. We're all enough. Like this whole messaging of like, you are enough, you are enough. I never think, I don't think that we're not enough, but my, my go-to is we are enough, but don't you want to be better? Don't you want to improve on something? Don't you want to have a growth mindset as opposed to just this I'm enough mindset where whatever it is, is good enough. 
like it's a different thought process, it's a different way of thinking and a different way of approaching your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going after in my world, I'm talking to the people who are constantly trying to better themselves, to optimize what, what they, where they are. That's not saying that what, who you are isn't good enough. That's nothing to do with it. What I'm saying is, yeah, you're great, but this is a long life, God willing. And hopefully don't you want to keep on growing and nourishing and striving? I don't want there's anything wrong with it. And like I said, in our, and I feel that we're not, we're doing a disservice to even people like I've got two kids. I think you have kids as well. Yeah. How old are your kids? 16 and 13. Oh my God, you have a 16 year old. I know it's wow. crazy. You I, look like you're 16. <laughs> <laughs> I had him very young. I had him very young, but yeah. Wow. My point is that like, they have to learn, re- people have to learn resilience. People have to learn that they are not going to win at everything. And that mm-hmm. out there in the real world, there's something called work ethic. If you want something, <laughs> you need to work for it, right? Yeah, they, lo- that's like, I know, but I, with, you're right that we, that we even have to use the sentence. There's something out there called work ethic. It's, but it's unbelievable. What's it's going like a on. novel idea. I know it's true. It's a novel idea. I, I feel like it's kind of one of these things that kind of have been lost in the, in the minutia of what's happening in society. You know, I'm a believer in you want something. It's anything is possible if you want to work for it right? Like don't mm. be upset by the yeah. results you didn't get by the work you didn't do. Yeah. Amen. I was actually listening to, I don't normally listen to like celebrity autobiographies, but I was told by somebody who was a patient, they said, you need to listen to Mariah Carey's audiobook because she kind of, it's in her, she's talking about it. She like will sing through it too and like give you all the, it's just not your normal audiobook. And she said something to me. She said something in the book that I thought was fascinating. She said, I live my life like nobody owed me anything. But she said she was looking at other people, maybe even in her family. And she said that they thought the world owed them everything. I said, is that's the parrot. That's what you're talking about here. Like what? 100%. Instead of you having this sort of victim, someone owes me something. Talk about the success of someone that li- really is one of the top artists of all time, Mariah Carey. All time. And has that mindset that you're teaching about in this book of the world doesn't owe you anything. What are you going to do? Like you said, be your own CEO. 100, and it's also you owe you, right? Like to me, you owe you, you owe yourself to be the best version of yourself in this one time world that you have a chance to live in, right? So what are you going to do with it? That's the bottom line, right? What are you going to do with it? You're living, you, you have one, you have one life, you got one shot at it. What do you want to do? Do you want to just take what, what's in front of you? Do you want to just date that guy or that girl because he's that, or he asked you out. So therefore we'll get, we'll date we'll get married and then we'll have a life together when really he really wasn't your type, but you just didn't want to go out. You were too nervous and too scared or too fearful of going after the person you really wanted or the kind of life you wanted. So you just acquiesced. Did you, do you want to go on monster.com or LinkedIn and find the job because it's available? Or do you want to actually be strategic and be like, you know what? I've always wanted to work for X company and do this. And then like you have Everyone has it within them to really go after and live a life that's much more suited and authentic to them if they actually take ownership of it. That's why I say you owe you, 
right? Like don't look at someone else to no one, no one's, no one's coming to save you. Mm -hmm. You have to take that agency and that ownership and make it happen for you. And like what I try to do in this book is give people true actionable things that they can do Mm -hmm. every single day to get them to do tomorrow what they are scared or uneasy about doing today. It's like, that's what it is. It's about what can I teach you now that will make you go after those things on your own? It's the whole idea of like, you can either fish for someone or you can teach somebody how to fish, right? Yeah. I'm going to teach you how to fish so that you can always go after whatever that thing is that you want most. And even if you don't get that thing, another opportunity will present itself because now you have the skills and you have the self-esteem and confidence to go and chase that thing. Yeah. You're speaking my language. Speaking of my son, who's 16 years old, and he won't mind that I share this with you all, that I told him, and he was telling me, and many parents out there will have had this conversation is, well, I'm not going to do all, he's homeschooled, but he's, he told me, I'm not going to do all of these things when I'm out and as an adult. And I said, part of, he was talking about college actually and going out to, you know, university, going out to college. I'm not going to do all this stuff. Why do I need it? I said, part of it, at least for me in my academic career is especially in undergrad, part of the benefits that I feel like this gave me was doing things that was difficult doing things that I, that didn't come naturally to me and kind of what exactly we were saying that maybe I didn't use all the random stuff I learned in organic chemistry, but it built a mental and physiological, like a metaphysical fortitude and resilience that I think if you don't go through those things, you're not going to flex that mindfulness muscle. No, on 100%. And the other thing I think is important for people to understand is, and you know, you're a doctor, you're a functional medicine doctor, so this may not apply to you. But I will say, I'm sure that people you went to, just because somebody is academically smart in one area, that does not translate to being successful in your life, professionally, personally, or having a rich life. To me, If I was going to be smart or bold, I would prefer to be bold because boldness is the secret sauce to success, in my opinion. Putting yourself in these situations, to your point with your son, that are uncomfortable, that are, you know, kind of areas that maybe, you know, me and my TED talk, I didn't want to do it. But from all of those micro experiences come much more ability to, to, to kind of harness and gain experience and grit. Because grit is very, to me, we, we didn't even talk about grit, but to me, this is how you build grit. This is how you become b- bold by doing these little micro things, by putting yeah. yourself in these uncomfortable things and these uncomfortable situations, by doing, you know, speaking engagements when that's the biggest fear of your life, you know, by asking that person out because, because that's the scariest thing. The more scary things that we put on our calendar to do, the better we we are, that that they will serve us better in the long run every mm-hmm. single time. Yeah, fully. Yeah, grit. Like I'm just thinking of all the thousands and thousands of people listening to this episode right now is that if this applies to so many areas of, of our life, when I'm thinking of my patients and wanting to implement things like grit and resilience and doing hard things to better your life and level up your life. So I really... I, and, and you teach us how to build these habits and that success in any area of your life, whether it's health or wellness or business or personal relationship, 
that these habits that you're teaching us in the book will enable us to live a bold life. This has been a great conversation. As you know, my friend, the podcast is called The Art of Being Well. At the end of the episodes, we have your art of being well. This is Jennifer Cohen's art of being well. First question is, what's the worst tasting healthy food that you still eat in your life because it's so good for you, you know the science behind it and nutrition, but it tastes freaking horrible. What's that food for you? Oh my gosh. Ah, oh, that's a great question. Okay, you know what I don't like that people think is so delicious? It's that they make it with like pickled sauerkraut, but it's like, what do you call it? With sa- sauerkraut's there. Not Ki- sauerkraut. Kimchi? Kimchi. Kimchi, yeah, like a Korean fermented vegetables, yeah. I don't like that. And also I would say apple cider vinegar. I hate apple cider vinegar and I try I try to incorporate that into my diet. What do you think of apple cider vinegar? You're the doctor. <laughs> I think it's the ap- apple cider vinegar with the mother, which is sort of the sediment, like yeast, fungal uh, culture. It is uh, a good tool uh, to consider. It's very potent, so people should definitely dilute it in water. There's brands like Paleo Valley has their apple cider vinegar complex that some of our patients use. But if you're going to just have it straight up with the mother, then dilute it in water. But yeah, that's a good, it's a good good tip. Yeah, exactly. Good support gut health, supports proper pH balance in the gut, supports healthy digestion, blood sugar balance. There's a lot of data around that. Next question. Look at you trying to turn the table around me asking me a question on my butt. <laughs> I want to get some free medical advice. What are you talking about? <laughs> I gotta, I'm being bold, Will. That's I mean, right. I gotta That's like right. take an opportunity when I see it. <laughs> What's your dream vacation if you had to pick the idyllic vacation for you? Oh my gosh. Well, depending on what time, you know, right now, what I would love to have is a beach vacation where I can just sit on a beach for two or three days and not worry about anything. That would be lovely to do that. But you know what? I would also say taking a, you know, taking a bike trip in Italy, like that would be beautiful. That would be something I'd love to do. That's amazing. Have you ever done that? I I don't even know where to start a bike trip through Italy. There's yeah. Well, a a couple of my friends have done it and basically you're biking for like five hours a day, six hours a day. And no, I've never done it, but that's on my bucket list. I want to do it. I just think it'd be beautiful. What part of Italy would you pick? Oh, I I wouldn't be very picky, actually. I would pick anywhere where the bike trip goes, I'll go. I'm not even that that picky on it. I think just the whole idea, like I like activity. I think like I I know, shocker here, but I think (laughs) that to have that type of atmosphere and environment and destination and the activity, I just think it'd be a really nice trip. Yeah. Also, I love, I, I I went on my honeymoon. I did a safari in Africa. I went to Tanzania. I love that. I would do that again, actually. That was the, one of the best trips I've ever taken. Wow. And in Tanzania, it's where the Hadza people, I think that's where they're primarily at. And the research around Hadza tribe and gut microbiome, it's really fascinating. I don't yeah. know. If you, I'm sure. Do you yeah. want to tell me about it? No, I mean, <laughs> I'll come on your podcast to talk about Hadza Definitely. tribe microbiome. All right. What are two supplements that have been the biggest game changers for you personally, the biggest needle movers? Okay. I take true niogen every single day. Do you know what true niogen oh, is? Oh, yes. yes. Yep. Nicotinamide yes. riboside. Yep. I take that every day, NAD. I've been taking that for 
five years already. And so I've like, I obviously like that one. And I think it helps with like my recovery and my energy levels. And then I also take omega threes every day. Those have been my staples. I've been doing that for so long. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if my body is just even accustomed to it now. If I should take, if I should just kind of even cycle them. That's another medical question. I'm trying to get free of Boan from you. <laughs> well, hey, look, I mean, those are two core things. You're talking about a specific form of a B vitamin and you're talking about mega. Yeah, those are essential fatty acids and many, you know. So, no, that's good stuff. Good stuff. I uh, take that. And I take one other one. Do you want to know? Or is yeah, my... no, no. Okay. I also take something called NAC. Do you know what that is? Yeah, N-acetylcysteine. Yeah, so yep. precursor to glutathione. Many people are lacking in intracellular glutathione, so it's a great tool too. Hey, you know what you're talking about. Listen, I try. I try. This is this is good stuff. What's one spiritual practice or mindfulness practice that has been the biggest helpful tool in that area? Mindful practice for me. So I'm not great at meditation. I'm not going to lie. The two things that I'm sure that you're upset, like you do all the time is probably yoga and meditation. Am I don't, I, am I, no, I, I meditate, meditation, yes, but yoga, I used to do it, but really I don't do it. I'm not against it. I just, it's not within my wheelhouse at the moment. Oh, I'm surprised. Okay. I'll say my favorite. My favorite are sound baths. Those I are my favorite. sound baths. That to me is my favorite thing to do when I'm trying to like really kind of bring myself back to center. I think that to me is one of the best. And the other thing you're going to, I don't know if this is considered, you know, it's my form of meditation is running. I think I get my best thoughts when I'm running. It really kind of, it kind of soothes and calms my brain. I jog, I shouldn't say run. To me, that is my meditation. Mm -hmm. It's certainly, I mean, it can be a mindfulness practice, right? It is a mindfulness practice for me. And you know, what's funny. A lot of people who have like a more of a ADD type of personality. I had Gabor Mate on my podcast the other day. Do you know who he is? Oh yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. And we were both talking about the fact, like we're we're actually like laughing about meditation because it's such a hot word. Everyone's like, meditate, meditate, meditate. And a lot of people don't admit to the fact, even though they like come on this podcast, even and, and because it sounds like the right thing to say, they're like, oh yeah, I love meditation and I meditate. <laughs> when really you could be like meditating, but you're thinking of a hundred, like, my brain does not allow me to like sit even for two and a half minutes in peace and silence. To mm-hmm. me, that's like torture, like literally torture. Yeah. Well, I think that those flow, like you said, like jogging for you, anything that gets you out of your mind and into your body, into that flow state is a good tool. I think so. And it's worked for me for many, many years. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think that if you just go slow, I'm not like, I'm not running a marathon. I think that's can be very hard on your knees and your joints. And that's a whole other podcast. But, but I think that's what I would say would be my mindfulness tool. I love that. And speaking of sound baths, if you ever make it to Palm Springs, it's outside. Oh, I know. Have you heard of this before? I heard of it. So my friend, Kevin Keating, shout out to Kevin. He said, he goes there all the time. And he said, when you're there, go to the Integratron. And it's like this historical landmark that this guy <laughs> involves aliens. I'm not going to get into it, but in, <laughs> for whatever reason, for whatever reason, the, this guy, the story was he used Nikola Tesla's theories to build this weird 
building that is like perfect resonance and vibration where they do these sound baths in it. It is a very full body experience. It's a basically a, a sound bath in the middle of the desert and it's very cool. And I took my very conservative, very mainstream mother-in-law <laughs> and she didn't know what she was showing up to. I was just sit down, relax. It'll be fun. And she loved it. She loved it. Sound he bath. did. I mean, I, I heard it's like the best sound bath that it, it, to your point, like it's like unexplainable. You have to just, if you have the chance to do it. In fact, actually me and my girlfriend, who's really into this, she actually does the sound bath. Like she, I guess she's a teacher it. for it. Yeah. yeah. Was going to go with me because it's supposed to be amazing. So I yeah. am going to go. Yeah. Go, definitely make it. What is your favorite restaurant in the world? And when you're there, what do you order? Oh my God. You're asking me like the best questions ever. Okay. I'm obsessed with this. Okay. It's actually kind of sad because I am a little bit of a creature of habit, which is why it's even much more of a effort for me to keep on doing these things outside my comfort zone. Okay. So I live in California. I live in Los Angeles. I'm obsessed with a place called Coral Tree. I go to Coral Tree like probably four times a week. And then I'm also, I have two places. I'm actually going to tell you about something you probably heard of before. I'm also obsessed with the turkey chop salad at La Scala. I can eat that like five times a week. I, I've I never love- been to La Scala, but it sounds amazing. And the coral tree salad that I love, I, I kind of like create, oh, I've got another one too. Can I tell you about a different yeah, one too? for sure. No, <laughs> I want to hear it all. The pro tips. <laughs> okay. I also love this other chopped salad that I get, this beet chopped salad at Porta Villa, which is right beside La Scala. And it's basically beets. And I kind of make, they've now called the Jennifer salad because I like modify and modify and modify. Like, no, I, I never look at a menu and be like, okay, I'm just going to take that. Thanks. There's always a million modifications, which I talk actually about in the book. But anyway, it's beets, it's green beans, it's garbanzo beans, it's tomatoes, cucumbers. It's basically like a, a plethora. And I add asparagus. I add, I just, I add like five other vegetables to it and it's delicious. And I have it with a little bit of Parmesan cheese and there, it comes with like a lemon vinaigrette and avocado. Love that. And you're, you're from Canada originally, right? Yeah, I'm Canadian. What province are you from? Well, I'm originally from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Do you know where that is? Yes. Oh yeah. You do? Okay. Yeah, I, I know Canada pretty well, but I mean, I'm a geography buff, so I would know that even if I didn't have family there. But anyways, yes, I know where Winnipeg is. Oh, you do? Okay. And then, okay, so I lived there and then I moved to Toronto for school. So I went, I, I, I lived in Toronto for many years and then I, then I came to LA. So yes, I'm, I'm very Canadian. I love if it. You can't tell. I can tell the accent. slight accent, eh? Uh, <laughs> about. <laughs> about. Toronto had some of the, had really good restaurants there too. I mean, there's a yes. healthy restaurant. I think it's called, is it called Gather or no? What's it called? Is it something Kitchen? Gather's in Dallas. There's a place called, I'm forgetting the name, but it was a very healthy, but very delicious restaurant in Toronto. But they had this amazing gluten-free pizza that my son still talks about. Uh, really? So, yeah. I, I'll give you all my Toronto tips. Yeah. Can you tell me? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I just went back to Toronto for the first time in, you know, with COVID and everything, I didn't travel very much, but most of the places that I would frequent like all the, all the time, no one there, all of them are closed. No one lasted. Oh, wow. So well, I don't know where to even have a, a healthy. No, I just looked it up. It's Impact Kitchen in Toronto. Impact. I'm going to write that down. Impact. Where is it? Do you know? Where does it say? Yeah. Let me see here. It is on King Street. 
King Street. Oh, I know. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So, so that sounds amazing. Yeah. And there's another, I can't find it. The gluten-free pizza is actually a chain. I forget the name of it, but it's like a famous Italian place in Toronto, but they had this amazing, I didn't eat the gluten-free pizza, but my son did and he loved it. Do you still- Are you a vegan? No, no, I'm not a, I'm not a vegan. No. So you eat fit, do you eat meat too? Yeah, I eat meat. I eat meat. Oh, you eat everything. Okay. Yeah. I just assumed you were vegan. I don't no, know why. No, yeah. <laughs> not, not that wellness. Not that wellness. It's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a spectrum. <laughs> I'm an omnivore wellness. Is that the, the, I like it. Uh, do you consider yourself a Los Angelino now? Like, or are you a Canadian living no. in Los Angeles? I consider myself a Canadian living in Los Angeles. There's a lot of things that go, like, LA is a very interesting place, right? I feel like, it's like a pseudo reality. It's like, it, it's a place within it. You don't live here, right? So I can- Oh no, I live in Pittsburgh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I I find that it's there's a lot of things here that what I love, I love the lifestyle. I love the weather. Like if you talk to, you know, nine out of 10 people, they're going to say the same thing. I love the pe- I love the weather. I love the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of things that I can go without, to be honest. Yeah. You know, I'm not much of a phony baloney type of person. So- I don't do well with a lot of the nonsense that can happen here, but I do also believe that water finds its level, right? And you gravitate to people and things that are, you know, that you're similar to or think like. So I've actually been fortunate enough to have, ha- you know, built a, a nice life here. But at the end of the day, you know, I still feel that you can even, I actually think I'm a Winnipeg person, which is even different. Mm. You can, take the girl out of the small town, but you yeah. can't take the small town out of the, you know, out yeah. of the girl. Is that how it works? I, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. It's, I feel the same way. I li- used to live in Los Angeles. My wife's from LA, but I was oh. there for a few years and I felt the same way. I'm like, yeah, I love the people, right? I love the weather, right? It's, it is, I have family there in LA, but I, it's still like, I would rather be in a cow field in like the middle of nowhere. Yes. I like to go in and like, I love to visit New York city and then come back home. I love to visit LA for work or family, come back home. So that's no, I totally understand that. I mean, the truth of the matter is for the same reason, like you're saying, I feel like there's something to be said about, you know, when you move away and I, to your point, I have a lot of, I have family now. My husband's from California, great things about it. But at the end of the day, it's doesn't, it's not the same as being back home to me. Yeah, right. Absolutely. I, I've looked up the, the gluten-free pizza place. Cause I know people are going to be messaging my team, calling the clinic up. What was that gluten-free pizza in Toronto? <laughs> yes. uh, Pizzeria Libretto, Pizzeria Libretto. Okay. Where's that one? There's a few, there's, it's in Ossington Avenue here, Danforth Avenue. There's a few locations, but it's gluten-free pizza in Toronto. It's like oh. my Solomon, my son is still talking about it years later. I'm going to seriously try it. Well, there's a, you know, you just said the Danforth when you're talking about food in Toronto, the Danforth is like the best Greek food. Like every place on the Danforth has amazing Greek food. Now I didn't, I haven't been there for a long time. It could have changed, but I remember back when I lived there they had amazing Greek food. And they're also at Toronto. What I love about Toronto is that it's super eclectic. So you can find food from every culture and it's delicious. Yeah. Delicious. And to me, Toronto's like a mini New York, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. it's, it, it really feels that way. And so in LA, I just feel like I don't, I never found, I don't have that many eclectic restaurants that I, I go to very often. It's like, I feel like it's the same food. I'm eating yeah. a lot here. And yeah. also I eat a lot of sushi, which is terrible for me, which is, 
again, free medical advice I'm trying to get from you. But. <laughs> you can get clean sushi. You can get clean sushi. Talk about eclectic ethnic foods in LA. Go to Open Sesame in, there's one in Long Beach on 2nd Street and there's one in West Hollywood-ish, maybe not West Hollywood, somewhere around there, near, not far from the Grove. And it is amazing, clean Lebanese food. Oh, it's called Open Sesame? Open Sesame, yeah. I've gone there since like early 2000s. It's amazing. Are you serious? Okay, give me another couple places here. (laughs) I love, I mean, I I love True Food Kitchen, which is like maybe a basic mm -hmm. wellness answer to give. You know, I have to think about it, but Open Sesame is my top one for sure. Can I ask you a thing? I don't know if this is like a conflict. You're going to be like, yes, it's amazing if it's not, but doesn't Goop Kitchen have oh, a restaurant like yes. a, like a ghost kitchen? I, I should have said that. They're, and they're not a restaurant. So th- right, I, it's with, a ghost kitchen. Yes, it's right? a ghost kitchen, but it is freaking amazing. All of the concepts are amazing. They're, they have an amazing gluten-free pizza as well. And like the dough is high quality ingredients. They have vegan cheeses. They have regular cheeses. They have, everything's gluten-free. You don't even need to think about it. They have a rotisserie concept that's like almost like Thanksgiving dinner anytime you want. Really? <laughs> yes. It's so, so freaking good. I ordered it almost every night. It was either Open Sesame, True Food Kitchen, or Goop Kitchen every night when I was in LA a few months ago. And they have a, a salad, like lunch on the go option too. And probably more in the future, I'm sure. But they, yeah, Goop Kitchen, definitely delicious. The, like I was only asking you because funnily enough, a couple of times this week, people like, were like, hey, should we order from Goop Kitchen? And I was like, I don't know. I've never really had it there before. And so we went with Coral. To, we go to the, you know, the other place. And I remember, I now know you're, you're like, you're like a Goop guy. So I am a Goop guy. They're my, they're my Goop family. And I, I hosted a podcast called Goop Fellas. It was one of their, their first spinoff podcasts. And yeah, they're good friends of me, of mine. They're, they're great people. Right. So I thought you would be a great person to ask. Although, is it a biased answer? I don't know. No, 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 no. And I'm look, just I, I'll, teasing. Tell you, I'll tell you what, I, I'm teasing I, you. I didn't know I was excited because I know whatever they do is amazing. But I took my, a lot of my team, my daughter, her, my 13 year old daughter and her friend, and they wanted the pizza every, every night. It was so good. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Be- because of you, I'm going to, I am now going to order from Goop Kitchen. I have like a, a lunch to go to with a bunch of people in an office. We're going to order from that. So ghost, the, I never, the concept of ghost kitchens don't really make sense to me. So that's why I, I never really. Yeah. I ordered it on Uber Eats. That's how I did it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do it. It's right to your house. I'm going to do the gluten pizza. Yeah. It's so good. Let me know what you think of it. This I'll is text bit, you. Yes, please do. <laughs> so tell everybody, how, where can they get the book? Send them to the places and, and you on social media. Where do they go? Thank you. Okay, they can get the book. Uh, they can go anywhere: Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, wherever wherever books are sold. They can also listen to my podcast, Habits and Hustle, which is where anywhere podcasts are. My Instagram is the real Jen Cohen. All the usual, the real all, Jen all Cohen, one Jen with one N. Yes. And you're on. I know from your book, you're on TikTok as well. I am on TikTok. Funnily, yes, I just started that like maybe eight, nine months ago. I am. It's the real Jen Cohen also. Same thing with one end. I love that. Yeah. That, that was in the, the, the George Costanza effect, I think. Uh, call to action, make, having people go outside of their comfort zones on it, one, one million percent. <laughs> one million percent. <laughs> My friend, thanks for coming on the podcast. Come back anytime. <gasps> Thank you. It was fun.
Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back every Monday and Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.